Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Welcome to Creating a Buzz podcast. My name is Paula Carnell and I'm a bee expert, a speaker, a consultant and a honey sommelier. The aim of this podcast is to create awareness about the massive connections between bee health and human health and also sharing my experiences of over 30 years of business. So lots of people have asked me over the years, how did bees get into your life? And of course, it's a good story. So I wasn't always a beekeeper. Nobody in my family was a beekeeper and I'm the first. It was something that had always been in the back of my mind that one day I'd like to keep bees. But for the first 20 years of my adult life, you know, from 20 to 40, I was an artist, so I didn't have time to keep bees, but it was something in the back of my mind. Then when I was 40, I fell ill and I spent the next seven years bed and wheelchair bound. Well, my husband, two years in, was asking me, what do I want for my birthday? And we were very restricted because I couldn't go out. We couldn't have lots of people here. There wasn't really anything I needed other than health and we couldn't buy that. So all I could think of was I wanted a beehive. And Greg, my husband, he thought I was crazy. He was like, what can you do with a beehive? You can't get out of bed. You haven't got any bees. You don't know anything about beekeeping. Why would you want a beehive? And I just said, I don't know. I just really want a beehive. So I persisted. I nagged and nagged. Every time he asked, he said, what do you want for your birthday? I was like, beehive, beehive, beehive. And bless him, in the end, he was working in the evenings, um, putting together this beautiful Western red cedar wooden beehive for me, a WBC that he bought from Cadden Hives. So on my birthday, there was this beautiful hive in our dining room with a big red ribbon around it, just waiting for me. So that was how I got my first beehive. Now, having a beehive is quite different to having bees because you've got to try and get the bees in there. But I was already quite clear that I didn't want to be buying bees. I wanted to be doing bees as naturally as possible. I didn't know much. I'd been looking up a bit and reading a bit, but I mean, you just can't learn much until you're actually in there doing it. And I was sort of looking into how could I have the bees? And I thought the best place to go would be to look up the local beekeeping association and ask them. And the website just didn't say anything about how to get bees, but it did have a little section that said, the swarm collector. So I thought, well, a swarm collector is going to know how to get bees. So I phoned up this number and a chap answered the phone. And I just said, oh, hello. You know, I'm just wondering about swarms. Well, of course, it was the wrong time of year because my birthday was November. So I was phoning up sort of December, January. So curious thinking, right, when do I have to start thinking about bees? So I phoned him up and we got chatting and I said about my hive. And then um, he'd asked whereabouts I was. And so I described where I was. And there's a field behind our house. And we'd been doing some work in our garden. So the back hedge had been cut down and um, or lowered. So I could actually lay in bed and see people walking around the field. And quite a few people walked their dogs around the field. And I'd noticed this chap that was quite new to walking around the field. And he had a bit of a lollopy walk and he had a lollopy dog and the dog was zigzagging around the field. So for me, being in bed, it was it was a bit of excitement to see somebody different in the field. 
Well, it turned out that was the swarm collector. And on his walks, he'd spotted my beehive. So when I described where he was, he knew exactly where I was. And he was really excited that he could come and have a closer look at my hive. So he has about 150 colonies of bees. So he put together a little nuke. So a nuke is where you take a queen and you have a small cluster of that colony of bees and you bring them on so that they can expand. And the colony you took the queen from, they will rear a new queen. So that's what he had was this lovely little nuke. And he brought it up to me that springtime. So Chris taught me beekeeping. And every week he would come up and see the bees. And every week, if I was able, I'd be wheeled out, propped up, you know, pretend I was well for an hour or so whilst he taught me how to take care of the bees. Now, I was probably a very difficult student because I would be asking questions all the time. So why are you doing this and why does this work and how does that work? So the first thing was about smoke. And I really wasn't feeling good about having smoke near my bees. So I'd say, well, why are you smoking them? And he'd say, well, we smoke them to keep the bees calm. And I go, well, how exactly does puffing smoke into a hive make the bees calm? And he said, well, they go into the hive, they fill their stomachs up with honey because they think the hive is on fire. Well, I knew that I thought if my if I thought my house was on fire, I would not be calm and I'd be rushing about the house, picking up, you know, various valuables and, and precious photographs and trying to, you know, collect whatever I could before you know, the house burnt down. So I thought, no, that's a fight or flight response. So yes, it keeps the bees away from the beekeeper. So the beekeeper can stay calm, but it's not very good for the bees. The other reason you use smoke is because when you get stung by a bee, it releases a pheromone and the pheromone has a scent a bit like bananas. And so by having the smoke, it masks that pheromone because what you don't want when you've been stung is that pheromone going out and telling all the other bees in the hive that they're under attack. And then they all come out and try and sting you. So there's two reasons for using smoke, but they're both for the benefit of the human, not for the bees. So that started me thinking about how else can we work with bees? Now, when you lift the lid of a hive and all the bees come out and when you put the, the hive back together again, you don't want to crush bees. So you do need to find a way to clear them, you know, to get them in the hive or at least get them away from the edges of the hive. And there's various ways that you can position um, parts of the hive as you put them back together again. Luckily for me, I wasn't very good at keeping the smoker alight. In fact, the only time I managed to keep it alight was when I was being examined for my bee basic exam. So. Chris was very good and we would use it only in emergencies, but mainly not. Then the first year we had an amazing harvest. So I had one colony of bees and they were incredibly happy, incredibly calm. And Chris was amazed at how well they were doing. So we managed to take 140 pounds of honey from this single hive. Now, I had no idea how incredible that was. Now I'd be happy to take you know, 20 pounds of honey from a hive. Um, and that's, you know, and that's being sustainable. So 140 pounds was an incredible amount of honey. So what we did was we took it out and we bottled it up and we shared it 50-50 because he'd been looking after the bees and the bees were his originally. And then the next time he visited, Chris had a white package, a big brown paper package 
And so I said, oh, what's what's inside the package? And he said, well, we've got something for the bees. So we went out to the bees and he unwrapped it. And there was this big white substance, a big solid white block. And I was like, what is it? And he said, oh, it's sugar fondant. We've got to feed the bees because we've taken all their honey. And that's when it dawned on me about what we'd done. It had never occurred to me that by taking all the honey, we would be affecting the bees. I just imagined they'd have enough inside the brood chambers or I just didn't think. I mean, why would I think? I was trusting what I'd been told. And when he brought in this massive sort of two and a half kilo block of sugar, I was shocked. And I thought, my goodness me, I knew from my own health that I couldn't eat sugar and that it was really bad for me. I also knew from being a mum that I didn't particularly want to give it to my kids because I could see the effects of feeding kids sugar. So why on earth would anybody want to feed sugar to bees? The problem is that because everybody does it, it's very rarely questioned. And I don't think enough people have thought about it and even considered what the impact could be. There's so much pressure on keeping your bees alive. And there's also so much pressure on taking lots of honey that it just seems to balance out. Well, that's when it really started me on this whole new angle of trying to understand what was going on in beekeeping. But also I started to see the similarities between human health as well as bee health. So I mentioned in an earlier podcast about how I started taking plant based minerals. Now, I'll talk in more depth about plant based minerals in another um, episode. However, what I did realize that if we weren't getting minerals in our nutrition, in our diet as humans, because it's not in our soil, therefore it's not in our food. I also started to think, well, it can't be in the nectar of plants if it's not in our soil. So the bees must be mineral deficient, too. So then I started to get books on bee nutrition and I started to look at different plants and where the bees go to different plants for different nectars at different times of year. And I started to just have my eyes opened in the world of bees and bee health. So it was absolutely fascinating. So that's how bees came into my life. And after another year, so it was about two or three years of keeping bees and I was starting to recover my health. Chris actually um, gave me the bees, handed them over for me to take care of them. So that's how I started to have bees and the bees in my garden became a major part of my life. And as you can see now, they are my life. Bees really are my life. And now I've gone from that first colony and I manage about 15 colonies of my own. And then I also look after many, many colonies for my clients all around the world. I've had experience now with bees in the Indian Ocean, in South Africa, in America, in Canada, in Bhutan. So I've been so lucky to actually see these different bees in different places. And from each colony of bees that I interact with, I learn something new. And that's what I really want to share with you. So thank you for listening to Creating a Buzz About Health. My name's Paula Carnell. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it. Do follow me so that you don't miss the next episode and it pops up on however you listen to your podcast. Also, if you want to connect with me more or you want to comment, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn and TikTok. You can also find these episodes on YouTube. 
If you go to my website, which is paulacarnell.com, you can click subscribe to my newsletter. And each week I send a really heartfelt newsletter where I share whatever's going on in my world over the past week and also give you little tips about what's going on, what events are coming up and also sharing insights that I've learned. So thank you again and I'll see you next time. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful B Brook and the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.